everybody, and welcome to the FridayNightOhio.com podcast. I'm Cliff Hickman from the Canton Repository, and I'm joined this week by Repository Sports Editor Chris Bevan. How are you doing this week, Chris? Good, Cliff. How are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in there. We're back in the office here for a little bit and looking at an exciting week three of high school football. Yeah, I think there's some uh, great matchups uh, that uh, people around the area should get to, to see this uh, weekend. Yeah, we're going to start things off in the Federal League, Chris. Uh, is there anything in particular grabbing your eye? Some some great matchups. Yeah, I think uh, you've, you've got two that really jump out with the Hoover at Perry and McKinley at Lake. Um, each game, I think there's some, some guys that are banged up already that could you know, you know be a factor who's missing in those games. The Perry-Hoover game. Uh, you know, you have that wing tee of Perry going against Hoover's uh, pretty diverse offense. So probably, you know, Ashby heavy as far as the quarterback leading the way. Um, Connor Ashby's completed 81% of his passes in the previous two meetings against Perry. Uh, it just shows you how, you know, efficient that kid can be. He's done that. He's got similar numbers against other teams in the league, too. I remember Glen Oak, he had ridiculous numbers over the course of his three, three years against them. But you're talking about 81% completion, 602 yards passing, six touchdowns and no interceptions in two games against uh, the Panthers. Though Perry did win last year's 35-28, so they were able to contain the damage somewhat and then just grind it out with the wink tee. And that uh, obviously will be the case uh, of what the, the Panthers want to do this week. Joshua Lemon uh, has 380 career yards against Hoover the previous two years, averaging 13 yards a carry two touchdowns, so it looked to see him get the ball a lot. And then Devontae Armstrong, the jet sweep, is always a a great weapon in the wing tee, and he's been very effective uh, running that as kind of a split end, averaging 11 yards a carry. He's also one of their top DBs, so I think it'll be a a fun game to see who can kind of control the the game with their offensive style. One uh, injury of note will be uh, Hoover's going to be probably playing without Drew Logan, who is uh, a big presence up front for the Vikings on the defensive line. And, uh, you know, uh, would be a, a big factor in trying to stop the run. Absolutely. But when you talk about those numbers for Mashby and then Lemon uh, for Perry, those are sometimes season numbers for some players, and they've done it against <laughs> yeah, just one I mean, opponent. There's many a school that uh, I don't know if Perry often has 600 yards passing in a season, and there's nobody completing 81% of their passes. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And, and the thing we talked about it last week that's always impressed me about Ashby is just how few interceptions he throws. Uh, you know, you've seen that trend in the NFL where there's guys that'll have those long streaks. You know, Aaron Rodgers, I know, had one in recent seasons, and there's other guys that are, are really good at, at not turning the ball over. And then you've seen that trickle down to college where guys have, you know, ridiculous touchdown-interception ratios. But I think you're now finally seeing that type of of uh, ability to not turn the ball over at the high school level with the really, really elite quarterbacks like the Connor Ashby. And, uh, you know, there's been some others in recent seasons. Aiden Longwell at Maslin was, was really good at protecting the ball the last couple of years. And I think that's uh, just a tremendous asset for a high school coach to know that his quarterback isn't likely to make the the reckless throws that can really, you know, kill a drive and turn a game around. And that's that's just been an impressive part of you know, Ashby's arsenal. 
especially considering as much as he throws it sometimes and the thing right that, in, in some situations where they've been behind because they've you know had some struggles defensively in recent seasons so where they've had to air it out pretty early in a game so you, you know he's throwing the ball but he still you know doesn't give it up and he still you know, talk to say oh the 81 percent here his career completion percentage is well over 60 percent i think it's approached 70 percent at different points so it's not like he's just eating the ball and and, and throwing it out of bounds, he's able to, uh, to to tuck it and run, or or just get into a tight spot and get the completion. What really impressed me with his was his touch on the passes. Like I said, the the fade route into the corner of the end zone is not always something easy to throw. And I saw him throw two to Brock Henney right on the money, and I mean, just hit him perfectly in stride where only he could catch him and. Really tough to defend something like that. Yeah, that probably also speaks to just the work ethic that, that Ashby and his receivers, Henny and Zach Young, and some of the other guys have put in. Uh, you know, I know I would hear about Hoover guys doing just workouts on their own, even when things were kind of shut down, but kids kind of had to, to make do and figure out ways to, to get their work in. And I, I imagine that uh, Connor Ashby and a lot of those other Hoover seniors and the receivers in particular were putting in the work, were putting in the time to get the timing down. And whether or not uh, you know they're able to, to have full team workouts, they were able to do something on their own, which uh, is always impressive when you see that. And I, I think you, as you look at some of these teams that are off to good starts, you imagine these are teams that probably have strong leadership in the off season, And even when they couldn't do their team stuff, there were guys figuring out ways to get you know small group workouts or you know figuring out the offense through calls and it just just being connected to the program and making sure that the work got done and you know I'm guessing Perry and Hoover were two teams like that and then the other big game that we have this week in the Federal League McKinley Lake that's two other teams that I, I think have come into this season pretty well prepared. And you mentioned that game there, McKinley at Lake. McKinley coming off the big win against Hoover last week. Lake with that exciting comeback victory over Jackson. Uh, what are we looking for in this one, Chris? Well, the Bulldogs have gotten the better of this game a lot of late, winning five in a row against Lake. They won eight of nine. But, uh, you know, most years Lake is, is competitive and right there with them. Last year was, you know, a goal line stop uh, on a two-point conversion that won the game for McKinley 20-19. to 19. So, uh, you know, obviously Lake had chances. Big thing here will be, will they have Drayden Owens back? He uh, got injured really early, basically the first series of the first game of the season. Uh, did not play last week. Logan Brady uh, did a nice job uh, filling in, had nearly 100 yards rushing, and, you know, had some big runs in that comeback win at Jackson. But, uh, you know, again, somebody like McKinley, I think that uh, Lake's going to want to have both guys ready to go. And Owens did have 100-plus yards against McKinley last year. The Bulldogs could be minus one of their top offensive tackles, Khalil Walker, who's getting Division One interest, uh, was injured early on last week, uh, did not return, so his status up in the air. So that would be, you know, something that would be a loss for McKinley. The Bulldogs' offense right now is really, really humming behind quarterback Elijah Wesley, who's, you know, just putting up ridiculous numbers so far. Seven hundred and fifty-nine yards of total offense through two games, with uh, you know seven total touchdowns spreading the ball around. They're using an assortment of running backs. They've got an assortment of receivers. Xavier Black's probably kind of the, the number one target, I guess. He's got eight catches for 179 yards, a couple of scores. But, uh, you know, I think Wesley's done a great job of spreading the ball around. And uh, on the other side of the ball, McKinley's defense uh, has the ability to be pretty dominant. 
Absolutely. And you talk about Elijah Wesley. There's probably not too many cases where he probably isn't going to be the best athlete on the field for either team this season. Yeah, you've you've got to be pretty special to be better than him and um you know there, there are guys out there obviously but he's had a, a great season so far and you can see why you know the university of toledo uh recruited him and he was recruited by a lot of the max schools and some other schools elsewhere so it's uh it's going to be a fun uh, thing for mckinley fans this year getting to watch him perform he's really been operating at a high level looking around the league glen oak and jackson is the other uh you know, federal league game that's going on. Those two teams have been really, really struggling. Glen Oaks lost 14 straight in league play. Uh, both teams are 0-2 this year and have scored a combined 34 points between them. So offense definitely has been in a premium for uh, each team. Now they do have some you know things that make you think they can get it going for Glen Oaks. Luke Tyler has run the ball very hard, very well for them, 254 yards through two games. And uh, Brendan Craig got it going a little bit last week running the ball for Jackson. So I think that's probably where it'll start for each team trying to get that running game going and seeing if they could get on top early and kind of kind of put the other team. It's you know in a situation like this where both teams are winless, one team can get up early. You can maybe get in the other team's head and kind of ride that out. So I think early momentum could be a big factor in that one. And then the other federal league game, you've got Green, uh, which returned to play last week, isn't able to play league games really until the end of the the very end of the regular season, and then that. Those extra games, I guess you want to call them, they're going to be played after the, the playoffs begin. But, you know, they're playing a non-league uh, home game this week. So that's what's going on in the Federal League. I, I know one game you're uh, interested in seeing how it turns out, Cliff, is uh, St. V uh, at Louisville. A uh, really exciting game. It's going to be a big night for Louisville. They only have two home games this season, and this is one of them. A lot of festivities. They're introducing a new scoreboard there. Uh, they're having an armed services appreciation night in conjunction with the National Guard. They're going to be wearing special camo uniforms. Uh, they're going to have just a ton of things going on. They're treating it as senior night for this game. And uh, just a, a lot of things. But one thing, I talked to Coach Troy Davis last night. He said he's really been impressed with the way the team has handled all of that. He said they, they are not caught up in it. He said he was really impressed with their demeanor. They're treating this game very seriously. And St. Vincent St. Mary is definitely a quality opponent. They ran into a loaded Cleveland Benedictine team last week. And that's going to be a tough game for anybody. But St. Vincent St. Mary is a really good quarterback in Nathan Lenz. Uh, Coach Davis was saying there's not many guys he's seen on film be able to roll out and just flip a pass 50 yards like it's nothing like he can do. So definitely a tough guy to defend. Uh, for Louisville, they they played really well against Glen Oak last week. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over. They the, the couple situations where Glen Oak got on their side of the field were some punting mishaps, which they're, they're looking to correct. But those are situations that are tough on any team. Louisville was punting out of the end zone in both cases and backed up out of their own end zone, and that tends to lead to short punts at the high school level for every team. It was just a tough situation. Quarterback Tyler Jackson, though, really got it going on a couple of big plays. Brock Pickens had the long 80-yard touchdown to put Louisville ahead for good in the second half. 
Uh, Coach Davis, uh, really happy with Pickens, said you can see why he's such a highly touted baseball player, and it's something that gives defensive coordinators something to think about because he beat his man off the line and just got behind the secondary, and no one could catch him afterwards. So when you have a receiver that has the ability to run after the catch like that, it's very dangerous. Now St. Vincent, St. Mary, also big and physical up front. They have two really good running backs. Uh, Tyler for uh, Glen Oak, we mentioned him earlier, great between the tackles runner, was able to get some traction at times. So stopping the run will be key because St. Vincent, St. Mary loves to set up the play action with those two big running backs, and they certainly have a quarterback that can throw it downfield to take advantage of those openings that they present themselves. Now you're talking about a traditionally strong program in, in St. V, and you know it wasn't too long ago that they were winning some state titles, uh, in title games played in Stark County, and you know year in year out they'll play anybody. So uh, I think that's just a great week three matchup for Louisville, regardless of how it turns out to, to get the Leopards ready for uh, when the playoffs begin in week seven. You look at the EBC Cliff, um, you know I think. Maybe a bit of a surprise, Carrollton and Canton South, the only two teams uh, that, that jump out right away at 2-0 and like that. That uh, I don't think people were looking at those two. West Branch also playing really well. What, uh, what are you looking at for uh, from the EBC this week? Well, Canton-South Minerva is a big game. You mentioned it. I did have my eyebrow raised a little bit talking to, to Greg Reed in the preseason. He seemed to really like this group of players, and he's usually uh, you know really honest in his assessment of things, and this was about as positive as I've heard him talk, and they've certainly lived up to it. Uh, Poochie Snyder at quarterback has been absolutely terrific for Canton-South, and Minerva struggled this this year that that's a big game for the Wildcats so uh, look for them to try to stay on track and, and keep the momentum going Carrollton held on for the win over Marlington last week and Carrollton has 0-2 Salem uh, Salem has struggled at times this season uh, they're able they they've always had an unconventional offense it just hasn't produced as many points as it has in the past this year that's going to be a tough matchup that is a long trip for Carrollton, but uh, you would figure the Warriors are the favorite in that one. You mentioned West Branch. They're hosting Alliance, and Alliance is still a team I would keep an eye on. They're 0-2, yes, but they've held the lead in the final two minutes against uh, Marlington, and then uh, last week they went up to Bedford and lost the lead in the final two minutes. They do some things really well. Brandon Alexander, quarterback, wide receiver, really terrific athlete. Just a load to bring down if he gets into the secondary on the run. Either way, you get him the ball at six foot three. Then you have Caden Davis, a sophomore that had not uh, touched the ball at the varsity level until this year. And I got a chance to see him on one of the streams last week. Really fast, really impressive. So that's a player to keep an eye on. You know, I think the EBC race is going to be kind of wild. So Alliance West Branch is one to keep an eye on. And then you have Brock Hillier, who I counted him up, has accounted for about 10 touchdowns. Not about. He's accounted for 10 touchdowns in two games, seven rushing, three passing. Uh, Basically, everything runs through him there. So that is a, a big game as well. Yeah, the lone non-league team that's playing a non-league game this week is Marlington. Going uh, up to play at Kent Roosevelt, the, the Dukes, as you mentioned, are coming off the, the tough loss to Carrollton. And 
playing a Rough Rider team they won't know a whole lot about this week since, uh, you know, they did not open the season right away, and uh, this will be their first regular season game of the year. But I, I think right now, Cliff, the Duke's probably more focused on themselves and, and what they need to do to get better. And the key, I talked to Coach Gulling last night. He said stopping the run and running the ball. Those are the two areas they want to work on. Kent Roosevelt will likely give them a chance to work on that because those are two things traditionally they have tried to do. There were some bright spots in the loss to Carrollton. Junior quarterback Connor Evanich, again, a guy that hadn't started prior to this season, over 300 yards last week. Rome Sims, is they lost three receivers last year. Rome Sims is over 100 yards again with a touchdown. Cooper Scarlett catches a touchdown. They've got some, I mean, I was worried about the, the skill positions coming into the year, and those are the things that were fine last week. So that's kind of an interesting team to keep a, keep an eye on. The EBC race, it's, it's too early to call that. I think all these teams are going to be bunched up throughout this uh, truncated six-week schedule. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see, too, once the playoffs begin and if teams have some success or whatever, how they play the thing out at the back end there where there's games scheduled amongst the EBC teams to, you know, actually figure out, the, you know, who will be the league champion because I'm guessing there's a really good chance that, you know, teams aren't going to have all played the same amount of league games. So, you know, maybe come down to winning percentage or something like that to determine the league title. But, a lot, a lot of football to be played there, so it'll be interesting to see how that does turn out. And, and let's talk about Marlington real quick, Cliff. I, you know, I was reading some of the stuff you you wrote about the, the ahead of this game. It, it seems like they really need to get the running game going. And they had that going a bit in the Alliance game in the opener, which Marlington won. But then, you know, last week they they really couldn't get anything going, running the ball against Carrollton. Yeah, Nolan Hooker is a really good running back, but Carrollton has done a good job uh, of shutting down the run. They limited Minerva to about 60 yards, uh, wasn't about, it was exactly 60 yards rushing the week before. And then they did something similar against Marlington. I think the Dukes only had about 30 yards rushing, and they were behind a lot, so I think they did have to abandon the run and do a lot of passing, especially in the second half as they fell behind more. The final score didn't really indicate how far they were behind at times. But I definitely think balance is a big goal for Coach Gulling. He likes to have a nice 50-50 split. And I wouldn't worry too much about that at this point. I've seen Nolan Hooker play, really physical player. I think uh, really effective between the tackle runner. And then you have Isaiah Harrison, who's a great tackle to run behind. I would look at last week as I I think Carrollton just has a really good run defense. And they'll probably get that on track this week. Maybe the uh, best game in the area will uh, be played in the IVC, IVC South. Sandy Valley hosting Ridgewood Friday night. Both teams uh, 2-0. and And for the Cardinals, uh, coming off a huge win at Indian Valley. Um, you know, Indian Valley had gotten the better of Sandy Valley the last couple of years, winning a few of those games fairly decisively. But um, the Cardinals really showing that they're for real this year by going down at Indian Valley, hanging 50-plus uh, points on them. Cameron, you know, Cameron Blair, the San Diego Valley quarterback, continues to put up huge numbers. He accounted for seven touchdowns last week with, uh, you know, well over 300 yards of total offense. And that's been one of the things with his development is, is not only as a thrower, but he's become a really effective runner of late, uh, you know, the last few years. 
and then uh, going against a Ridgewood team that kind of has a similar quarterback in Gabe Tingle who can break a game open as a runner or thrower. So I think that could be a great night of football down there, and obviously you'll see coverage of that on Friday Night Ohio. Dot com Friday night and Saturday, which would be just a, a great matchup in the IVC. Um, two game, two teams in the pack seven. Maybe a bit of a surprise, but uh, I don't know. I think Northwest isn't too much of a surprise. Fairless may be surprising people, but both those teams two and zero. Fairless and Northwest both going on the road this week. Fairless at Manchester. For Manchester, it'll be uh, the Panthers' first game of the season after initially. Uh, going with the Summit County Health Department, thinking they weren't going to start their season till October. They decided to move it up and jumping in here in week three against Pac-7 opponent Fairless. And then Northwest is going to try away for its game. And, you know, talking about quarterbacks that do a little bit of everything, Jordan Mick for uh, Northwest uh, might be having the best numbers of anybody so far. Ten touchdown passes through two games as he is uh, – doing whatever he wants, and I think what you're seeing is a great marriage of a, a really talented, experienced quarterback with a coach that really know how, knows how to coach quarterbacks and put in a great offense, and Coach John DeMarco, who is in his first year at Northwest. And, you know, Coach DeMarco is somebody you're familiar with, Cliff. Uh, I, I'm not surprised that he's gotten Northwest rolling, especially offensively. Oh, absolutely not. You can always look at uh, Coach DeMarco as the quarterback whisperer though he may refute that, and I probably wouldn't say that to his face because he, he probably wouldn't enjoy it too much. He knows how to coach quarterback. <laughs> he does. But, yeah, I'm not surprised he's putting up uh, – Jordan Mix putting up big numbers in that system. And, I mean, he's he's a special player, and he's got some guys around him. His receivers are playing well. His younger brother is catching touchdowns. You know, that's that's a team that has a chance to have a really special year. I think if they're going to work on anything, they did struggle a little bit in the first half against CVCA. Obviously, they blew the hinges off the game in the second half. But just from the outside looking in, they'll probably want to play a more complete game, but that's really just picking nits. <laughs> the final numbers are pretty impressive. However you get it done, you get it done. I think that makes the Northwest start impressive is that they're, they're 2-0, and having beaten a pair of playoff teams from last year in, in Orville and CVCA. So, you know, they've been tested right away and responded to those tests. And I think Fairless, uh, you know, had that big win to open its season against CVCA where, you know, they had the multiple delays and played past midnight to get it in on the same day. And then last week took care of business against Loudonville, broke that game open in the uh, in the third quarter with some, some big plays. And their quarterback, Brindley, has, has been really good so far. And they've got a lot of other weapons, too, on offense, veteran players again. So, not, not too surprised to see Fairless uh, playing well, and we'll see if they can keep it going. And the, the final game I was thinking of out west in the western part of the county, Maslin and Warren Harding, one of the, the great rivalries in northeast Ohio. Uh, next to Maslin and McKinley, this is uh, Maslin's biggest rival, really. This is the team they've played the second most all time. This will be the 85th meeting between the two, and uh, you know the Tigers have the better of that uh, series all time, but uh, Harding year in and year out is competitive with Maslin and you know has has beaten up several times uh, over the last decade. So this should be a, a really good matchup, and it'll be interesting to see who's a quarterback for Maslin. Uh, Javian Crable, a sophomore, got his first start last week when uh, Zach Catrone, the uh, starter, was not able to go because of an injury. And that's a familiar name to Maslin uh, football fans. His father, Sean Crable, in the uh, 
Oh, the early part of the 2000s was an absolutely dominant uh, defensive lineman who went on to play at the University of Michigan and was in the NFL for a time. And as a basketball fan, I remember Sean very well as a basketball player who I'm sure if anybody talks to him had a great dunk as a as a freshman over uh, another freshman, LeBron James, when Madison played at St. V. Uh, that year, and then the next year, I recall seeing LeBron uh, return the favor with a, a tremendous dunk over Crable. So uh, his son now is the, the Maslin quarterback, at least uh, likely quarterback if their starter remains injured. And he played really well in his first game last week. I would not mention the second dunk, but I would not stop talking about the first one over LeBron. But that's just me. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, uh, his, his son looks to be a pretty good athlete. It, it's you know that's a very talented uh, Maslin team. But defensively, they caused uh, the Columbus schools they played last week, Bishop Sycamore, all kinds of trouble. Made a lot of big plays, you know, tackles for losses, sacks, had a long interception return. Those those types of game changing plays. And I think as much as you know, people tend to focus on offense. I think Maslin could have a, a really good defense which could end up being what uh, their season will rest on, how that defense continues to play and improve. All right, Chris, I think we've given a pretty comprehensive look at week three around the area. I'm ready to sit myself in front of my 55-inch TV and uh, watch four games at once again this Friday. (laughs) You made full use of the streaming that's going on this season. Hey, who would have thought the Xbox had work applications? And I'm just happy. There you go. Yeah, I was I was impressed with your ingenuity last Friday. Yeah, well, you think the office will let me write off the new one this November? I, I can't vouch for that part. Yeah, I, I don't. As, think as the guy that's operating on the very small laptop, trying to watch the games on live stream while competing with my son's gaming that eats into uh, the uh, bandwidth in the house. Uh, I'd imagine that. Well, every other play with the stutter, you'll be you'll you'll catch up eventually. <laughs> yeah, it should be a great night, though, Cliff. Uh, this uh, Friday, and hopefully, like week two, uh, we get good weather in the region because that always makes a difference. Oh, absolutely! And be sure to go to FridayNightOhio.com. We're going to have all sorts of previews and stories leading up to Friday, and then Friday the scoreboard. We try to update the the scores as much as we can live, so all the information you'll need is going to be right there sounds good cliff all right that's going to do it for this friday night ohio podcast this has been cliff hickman from the repository joined by repository sports editor chris bevan we will see you next week 